Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hey everybody, welcome to church. So glad to see you all. Thanks for taking time, time out in the midst of a busy schedule, busy weekend with it being back to school to make time for church. We'll talk more about uh, that in a minute, but more. Uh, just wanted to share a little bit more, recap uh, where we're headed this fall. Next month, we're going to begin a spiritual growth campaign. And I gave a more full announcement on this last week, uh, but we're going to have an intentional season of seeking God for a breakthrough. And we're calling it simply 40 Days of Prayer, 40 Days of Prayer. Uh, The Bible's clear that 40 is a spiritually significant number or time period. So Noah, Moses, David, Elijah, Jesus, the disciples, uh, all had a 40-day transformation period and even more than that in in the more encounters like that in the Bible. And what we've learned about breakthrough a breakthrough experiences with God is they just don't happen on accident. They don't happen even really spontaneously. They happen when you seek them, when you seek God for a breakthrough. And the way you seek God is through prayer. So beginning in September, uh, we'll gather in person online for weekend services. We'll worship God. We'll learn about, learn about an encounter with God from scripture. And then we'll gather in person or online uh, for small groups and uh, we'll go through a study guide together. Uh, So this study guide will have the whole thing. This goes on sale next week, and uh, these guides will have uh, the daily devotionals for each day of the 40 days, small group lessons, other resources. Uh, They'll be $5 a book. Uh, They actually cost much more than that, but your giving allows us to discount that a whole bunch, and uh, those will go on sale next week. Next week, you'll be able to preview some small groups of those that have registered for the campaign. So if you're a small group leader, go ahead and register your group. Uh, tell us what you're doing, what your game plan for the fall is. Uh, if you're interested or have questions and what it would look like to lead a small group, because the, the small group content, uh, there's content for the campaign you only get in a small group. And that's like how to pray in a crisis and, and the things that are really fueling uh, your prayer life and seeking God. And it's just better to go through a 40-day journey with somebody else. Uh, so maybe you say, uh, I could grab one other person or a couple of other people and, and we can meet once a week or meet on Zoom once a week or something and, and go through this content together. Just let us know that you're curious about that. Maybe you've got questions or want to brainstorm some ideas. Groups will meet all different days of the week, different times of day. All, they take on different shapes and sizes and everything else. Um, but we're getting ready for this. I put the, the date in your notes. Everybody in Rockbrook needs to have in your calendar day one, Monday, September 21st. That's day one of our 40 days in the fall. It's going to run through day 40, uh, Friday, October 30th. The small group semester will have some time on either side. It'll start the week of September 13th and run to November 14th. Game on, everybody. Right on. Uh, we got uh, this week and next week left of rethinking your life, and it's This week's a big week as the school districts fire back up. That means many people are back to work, back to school. Uh, Vacations are coming to a close. 
And whether you have anything to do with the school calendar or not, it's amazing just how our life kind of runs this way. And so many businesses, corporations even put new initiatives or deadlines or different things uh, in this moment in the year. And today we're going to talk about how we can approach our school and our workplaces and even our home life in a God-honoring way. And I don't know where you are or what your relationship with uh, school or work is right now. Maybe you feel tremendously optimistic. Talked to a nine-year-old boy this week. Say, hey, how are you feeling about going back to school? He's like, game on. Spring break's over. I'm so excited. I got to get out of my house. And he's just, he's ready to go, ready to rock and roll. Maybe you feel much more anxiety about your job or the school year or even the way things things are headed uh, right now. Maybe you feel like you can't keep up with the changes and the timeline and all the, e- the emails, all the emails. And just uh, you just want some peace. You need some strength. This verse is not in your notes, but it just leapt out to me this week. I want to encourage you with it as we uh, have this pivot moment. It says, the Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength The Lord blesses them with peace. I want to be one of God's people because I need strength and I need peace. And before we jump into today's message, I just want to call a time out and pray uh, over this transition. And let's, as a church body, turn to the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, and rely on him. So before we push play on everything that lies ahead... Uh, We're just going to take a breath. I don't mean for this to be an awkward moment for anybody, but we're just going to slow down for a moment and pause and just submit to God our our kids and our lives and the school year and our jobs and just everything else and turn to him and rely on him. Would you you pray with me? Heavenly Father, just at the outset of uh, this new year in a way, Uh, we turn to you, Lord. We breathe in your goodness and we breathe out your praise. You are good. There's no one like you. We can rely on you completely. We can cast our cares on you. You have not failed us. We're still here. We're still standing and you will lead us through. And God, we're so thankful for what new seasons represent. A fresh start, new mercies. God, we pray that now you would grant uh, students and teachers and parents and faculty and staff members, decision makers with an abundance of your wisdom. God, prepare their hearts um, to welcome one another in love and respect. God, give us grace as we uh, figure all this out. And God, give us uh, the knowledge on, on when to speak in love, when to speak in truth, when to take a stand, when, when to submit. God, I pray for anyone who feels unseen and unnoticed, uh, that they would recognize where their true reward is and that you care and you are watching. God, may we uh, see, like never before, your faithfulness and follow you wholeheartedly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Okay, let's talk about how to use our school year workplace home lab. I want to show you a passage of scripture to start off here. And uh, I show you this whole passage to really lead to one amazing verse and even one word in that verse. But this whole uh, passage is pretty wild. It's in the book of Acts. The full title of that book is the Acts of the Apostles. It's written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he gives accounts of uh, the beginning and growth of the early church in the first century after Jesus ascended into heaven. And in Acts 16, it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So she had this demon spirit, and because of that, uh, she could see things and know things, but she's doing it demonically inspired. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she would go out and do this and come back and bring the money or they'd follow her around and, and make money off of her. She followed Paul and the rest of us, excuse me here, but she was shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she's not doing this to praise them she's doing this to expose them and to insert herself into their into their work and she's she's inserting herself into what's going on and uh shouting and exposing them and don't you know the devil always overplays his hand he goes he goes too far and so finally i mean so she kept us up for many days and they're trying to do their work. They're trying to minister. They're trying to do what God's led them to do. She won't stop doing this. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, so not to the girl, but the spirit that's on the girl, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, so their investments in this, this demon and this girl and what's going on here, they've just lost their investment. When they realized they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd, yeah, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. So he's taken this seriously, this, meaning the most secure cell. This is a cell within a cell within a prison. And fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wouldn't you know it? They've had this horrible day. Horrible. And at midnight, they're singing. And other people take notice. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. 
How amazing. God, so God is in this. God did this. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and is about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So he's been commanded to keep these prisoners in jail. They're all gone. He's going to fall on his sword because he's thinking, that's better. This happens to me than what's coming. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So how amazing that the jailer, he thought he was the free one and that Paul and Silas were the bound ones. And now he realizes, no, even though they were in stocks, they're the free ones and I'm the bound one. How do I get free? What must I do to be saved? I want your God. In verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's a promise from God. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. And then he adds this one statement, you and your household. Now, this is not, he's not suggesting here that if you believe then your family, uh, does, even though they'll be saved even though they believe or not. That's not what he suggests. Luke, Paul, New Testament never say that in any place. What he's saying is just like we influenced you, whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved. So this word household in the Greek, this isn't like just your family or the people living with you, this is oikos. This is the people under your roof of influence. These are the people that you have influence with in your life. And so jailer, if you'll get saved, how we impacted your life can impact someone else's life and anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So I want, I want us to talk about today how we can impact our oikos our sphere of influence to impact them. And first, we've got to figure out who, who they are. So who is our oikos? Write this down. It's, it's my people. So you have people. These are the people closest to you in life, your family, your coworkers, your classmates, your deskmates. And God says, I'm going to put you with some people. Like your neighbors are your neighbors on purpose, Sorry to some of you, I know that you're not excited to hear that, but like your neighbors are, like God is orchestrating who your people are. And if once you understand that, you can influence them, that you can change your world, your sphere. Of, so just as the world, the earth is a sphere, you have a sphere in your life, which by the way, totally recognize the earth is not a perfect sphere it's an oblate spheroid because as the sphere spins, it bulges at the equator a little bit and just squashes ever so slightly at the poles. That's why the tallest mountains in the world aren't necessarily the highest mountains in the world. And I'm just saying all that so a teacher doesn't email me this week. <laughs> I get it. It's not a perfect sphere. It's not flat. It's an oblate spheroid, okay? And some of you are like, oblate spheroid? I got one of those. It's a problem. But this is... <laughs> I'm sorry. You have a sphere 
of influence in your life. You have people, sociologists, say that your sphere of influence, the people closest to you, they did a study of that pe most people have 12 people in their sphere of influence. Isn't that fascinating? The way they came to that was that they, they studied how many people you in a week spend an hour or more with. An hour or more all combined in a week face-to-face -face or like intentional time with them and that's your sphere of influence and for the average person most people that's 12 people some have more some have less or right around that number uh, but you can think about that later of just how many people do I spend an hour or more a week with and I'm illustrating this for you so you can see that you have everyone has a world and we're called to change the world through changing our world, our sphere of influence, our world. And you have people in your life that you can move, that you can, that you can influence. Jesus once commanded someone to go home to your family and friends, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Uh, a few weeks ago, a, a guy about my age who I've known for a long time uh, died from complications during heart surgery and uh, Jordan Muchow is his name and he'd had nine heart surgeries in his life uh, the first one was at three weeks old and during his memorial service uh, his dad was telling a story about he and Jordan in the hospital waiting for surgery uh, when Jordan was a teenager and Jordan said to his dad dad when the staff comes in, I want to share my faith with them. What should I say? And his dad said, well, just, what do you want to say? Just share what's on your heart. And the staff came in, and Jordan, a teenager, I was talking with them, and he said, I, I just wanted you to know that God loves you, and he's been good to me. When's the last time you told someone God loves you, and I just want you to know that he's been good to me. Have you told anyone that? You have people to tell that you can, you can influence. The second area that defines your influence is your place. So like in your sphere, God orchestrates the, the school that you're about to go to, the place of work, the jobs, all these things. Like it's not an accident. Acts 17 uh, tells us that God ordains, like he puts you in your place in time, that God knew that you'd be alive in 2020 in this location, and God, God has put you in your place. And it, even if you don't enjoy it, just take advantage of it for this season that follow God into those areas and see what God will do. I want to give you a verse, maybe you want to pray this over yourself and see your life more positively, more purposefully this week if you're facing a transition. Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That you're not just making a living. You're not, so many people, they see their chores in life their work life, their school life as a necessity. They'll call it a necessary evil. 
But if you see it as a necessary evil, it's never going to fulfill its purpose. That if you see it as a necessary evil, you're going to be like, every day you go into school, into work, it's like you're walking into prison. And then they ring the bell and you get to break out of prison. But God has much more, like work, work was there before the fall of mankind. God loves work. He's designed us to work. And there's greater purposes of identity and character, credibility, generosity, eternity going on. So God, give me favor, establish my school, my classes, this person sitting next to me, this place in the work of your hands. So my people, my place, and then number three, my passions. Your passions determine your sphere of influence and they're God-given. You have certain passions. There are things that you're more passionate about that other people don't care about as much. Activities, not everyone's drawn to the same thing, to the same, to the same passions. And there's places in us where God has stirred. He's given us a heart for certain people and nations and, and things and issues that we're facing. And God has orchestrated that. Psalm 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And some people take this to mean that God will give you what you want. That's not what this is saying. Take delight, that word there is, it's like a groom putting on his tux for a wedding day or a bride putting on her gown for the wedding day. Come before the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord. And it's not that he'll give you whatever you want, he gives you the wants. He gives you the desires of your heart. So the things that you're passionate about, God put that in you. In fact, we, we have a whole growth track class about this, about the shape that God has created in you, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your passions. So we, we focus, the P is passions. We focus on your passions. What are you passionate about? Because we believe God gave you the desires of your heart and you can impact your sphere that way. I'm just trying to say God's directing your life. How do we make a difference? How do we do it? Three little acts that I believe we could start Monday on this. In whatever transition or place you're going into, workplace, whatever, we could start these this week. Three reminders. One is our manner. We make a difference through our manner. Yes, I'm reminding you to mind your manners. (laughs) Your attitude. The Bible talks about our manners, how we live our life. And I'm telling you, it's going to be tested this season, okay? There will be more changes this year. You can count on it. And you get to decide now how you're going to respond to that. Are you going to be surprised? Are you going to be disgruntled? Are you going to be a burden? Are you going to second guess your leaders? Things are just fast and fluid right now. And listen, the decisions leaders are making, they probably don't like it any more than you do. And I can tell you, it's easy to second-guess someone when the responsibility is not on you. It is. I remember my first year as senior pastor of this church. My dad is the founding pastor. And I don't know how many times in that first year I'd say to myself, oh, that's why he did that. (laughs) Oh, that's why he does it that way. It's because now I could see something I'd never seen before, and there was a responsibility that hadn't been on my shoulders before, and it 
It's easy to say, well, this is what I would do when it doesn't cost you anything and you don't see what they see. And so whatever you're facing right now, I mean, the coronavirus and, and everything else and just all the changes that are even happen, happening naturally through this time, we're going to get through the other side of this. And you, you get to decide when we come out of the other side of this, are you going to be better or bitter? Are you going to have built more bridges or burned bridges? So mind your manners. Some people have said to me, Pastor Ryland, when you talk about sharing your faith, making a difference, I'm, they say, I'm embarrassed to tell people I'm a Christian because if you knew my reputation at work or at school, you wouldn't want me saying anything. I'm not a good representation, which speaks to the heart of the problem. If your only motivation for, to let God transform you and change you is yourself, it won't change. If your motivation for change is to shine a light, to be salt and light, then it starts impacting you. This is why if you feel stuck in your growth with God and you need a breakthrough, I encourage people, start serving. Take a step you haven't taken before. To lead a small group. Step out and, and lead something because when, when you do those things, it causes a boost because other people are at stake and it begins to change you. How are your, how are your manners? Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. People are, are watching. 1 Thessalonians 4:11 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, watch this, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And none of us are all there yet. So what do we do? We make it our ambition. We make it our goal. You're not there yet, but make it your goal. And all of a sudden, there's a motivation for our manner. The way we influence our sphere, our world, is not through yelling at the gospel at people. It's through faithful presence in people's lives, bearing witness to one another, to be a faithful presence, and what if when you did something for a neighbor, when they thank you, you just tell them simply, the love of Jesus Christ compelled me to do this. And it doesn't have to be weird. It's just you tell them why. You tell them your motivation, that when you go the extra mile and someone appreciates it, it the love of Christ compels me to do this. I was talking with a business leader once, and he said that at his company Christmas party, it's fun, it's great, it's generous, and there's a moment where he gets up and says, you know, we've gathered for this party because I'm celebrating the one who changed my life, Jesus Christ. And if you ever want to talk about it, my door's always open. And he has just led so many people into his sphere to Christ through, the faith, through that faithful presence and witness and he's managing his life in such a way that it pulls more into his fear, not pushes them away. So it's our manner, number two. We're going to watch our moments, our moments that God is navigating. Hey, did you know today, today, 
He's going to cause, God's going to cause two people's paths to intersect and it's a divine appointment. And someone, many people in the world are going to go from darkness to light, from death to life because God orchestrated it. It's not by accident. God is working. Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we fill our calendar. God knows what's really going on. God's doing something through our lives. What if when, when you see uh, your interactions with people as divine appointments and God's leading you through these divine appointments and I wake up and it's just, God, let the appointments begin and you walk out and God's cheering you on and the angels are cheering you on. In fact, here's what, when you're standing in line to get on the bus, when you're walking through work, you know what, the, do this. Everybody do this out in front of you. This is, come on, come on, play along. You came this far, just go with me here. You're doing this and you know what's happening? This is the tunnel. This is the angel tunnel that you're going through and they're like, yeah, go get them. You got it. There's some divine appointments. Hell's going, no, they're leaving the house again. I hate it when they do that. I want hell to get nervous when we leave the house. The angels are man, just trying to see, get you to see how God sees you in your day. and He loves you. He's caring for you. He's orchestrating all of this. You can trust him. You can trust him. Trust him with your moments. Number three, our message. Our message. Is your life known for what you are for or what you are against? Do more people know uh, your frustrations and pet peeves? Or do they know uh, your vision and, and what God's wanting to do through your life? Are you known for what you are for or what you are against? Uh, can, you, can you share your testimony, your story, your faith in a couple of minutes? That for me, it's that growing up around Christians, I learned that uh, there are those who call him Lord but then there are those who really know him, that they know God. In fact, Jesus Christ said that many uh, will say, Lord, Lord, uh, but they're not going to heaven. They're, they call themselves a Christian, but they're not really a Christian. And that's scary, and we've all seen that. We've seen that there are people who say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm an American. Yeah, I'm a Christian, I grew up in such and such family. Yeah, I'm a Christian, I went to Christian school, or, uh, yes, th this happened in my life or something. But Jesus is going to say to some, away from me, I never knew you, that heaven is for those who see him as a heavenly father and submit to him and worship him. And for me, I saw that those people that knew him, there was just a joy and an interaction that I wanted in my life. And that, that I wanted a trust that if, if you do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And that, that trusting God wasn't this scary thing. It's that there was this relationship with the Heavenly Father that, that is so powerful that I, I wanted that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. What is the hope that we have? It's John 3.16. Listen, Never let your theology get so complicated that you can't boldly proclaim or even be deeply comforted today 
by John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Some will say, well, I just can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. No, that's not why God came. God came to save the world through him. That I believe in a God who came to save. In fact, hell is not even a place where people go that God is mad at. Hell is a place people go to pay for their sins. And you don't have to pay for your sins. God paid for them. You don't have to pay for the wage. God loves you. And if you will believe in him, you'll have eternal life. You don't have to pay for your own sins. They've been paid for. You don't have to pay for your sins. They have been paid for. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to reveal to us our sphere. I'm asking again for comfort and peace as we uh, enter into uh, these days and this week. And I pray that you'd be working in people's lives powerfully, that we would be a good uh, representation, God, that it would be obvious, it would be evident that we trust in you and that you so love the world. God, bless us with a manner that is wise. It's full of grace and truth. God, let us recognize our moments and let us receive this message that we don't have to pay for our own sins. Maybe you today would say, you know what, I need this. I'm far away from God. I'm carrying the weight of my sin. And Jesus does not want you to pay for your sin. You can have your slate clean, account balance of zero, you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So just turn to him. Say to him, God, as much as I know right now, I'm putting my trust in you. I don't want to pay for my sins. You made a way for me. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You died in my place on the cross. You rose from the dead. God, I believe in you. I believe in you. Thank you for your love. I want to follow you. Lord, show me the way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.